Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Martial Arts Podcast. I'm Jake Letarski, joined today by John Litterine. If you're out there on Twitter, give John a follow at John Litterine. That's J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. You can follow me at Jakeski52. Today, John and I will be making our fantasy picks for the biggest fights at UFC 227, live from the Staples Center in LA on Saturday. It's a big card on DraftKings. The pay-per-views always are. There's a 150000 GPP pool in the $10 uppercut, so if you're here, you're on the right track to hopefully getting a piece of that pie. John, been a while since we last talked. Uh, first off, I got to admit I was wrong about Jose Aldo at the Calgary card last week. I, I thought this one was Stevens, but but you had this one right, so props to you, John. Uh, I mean, he, it, was a, it was a shot to the liver. He looked good, man. He's 31. What's this guy's ceiling? Well, you know, the, the thing that was impressing me is more impressive than the finish was how well Aldo handled some of those shots from Stevens. His chin certainly held up. Stevens with con- connected with three or four really, really solid uppercuts prior to the finish. Um, it looked like Aldo was kind of teetering, but 
uh, like you said, he ended up fighting through it, got him with that uh, that liver shot, and finished it off. Um, you know, the real the thing is, you know, it's just entirely possible that Max Holloway is just a terrible matchup for Aldo. You know, there are, there are guys look at uh, you know John Cor- uh, John Jones for Daniel Cormier. You know, there are some fighters who, for whatever reason or another, guys just don't match up well against. And uh, Holloway could just be that guy for Aldo. So even though he lost twice to Holloway. Um, it's entirely possible that um, Aldo's, you know, long-term ceiling or uh, his long-term upside really hasn't changed that much. He's only, I think, he's 30 or 31, so um, you know, he's not past his physical prime or anything like that. Um, I think it's probably better and better than 50-50 at this point that uh, Aldo eventually gets another title shot. Yeah, especially if Holloway ever has to move up. I know it's a tough weight cut if those concussion issues ever come back around. But for what it's worth, I think guys like Max Holloway and John Jones, they're just bad matchups for everybody, period. Those might be some of the greatest fighters of all time uh, when it's all said and done. I know we're jumping the gun on Holloway at least a little bit, but uh, from what we've seen so far, you know, I, I can't really refute that a whole lot. But Let's get to the main focus here, John. UFC 227 is this Saturday here. We've got a lot to talk about, uh, a couple of big title fights, a couple not-so-great fights on the pay-per-view card, but let's kick it off with Dillashaw Garbrandt 2. Man, this is a big fight, John. Evenly matched up. Dillashaw 8,200 on DraftKings, Garbrandt 8,000. Dillashaw a slight, slight betting favorite, about minus 115, Garbrandt minus 105. That could move around a little bit, I guess, but I don't really expect it to... Dillashaw won the last one. Do you think he solidifies that and gets the win again? Well, you know, the interesting part about this is um, a lot of times when you see two guys run it back, um, it doesn't happen immediately. Uh, you know, both guys go on to, you know, fight different competitors and uh, eventually double back uh, to their original opponent. But in this case, um, neither of these two guys have fought uh, since the first fight, which was uh, in early November of last year. So, both guys have been on the sidelines for you know what, nine months, ten months, you know around that in that area, and um, you know I'm picking Dillashaw to win, but to me, as the odds uh, and the Vegas salaries would essentially indicate, is that um, this is pretty much a pick 'em. Uh, I thought in the first fight that Garbrandt had a slight speed advantage after what he did to Dominic Cruz, which was essentially something we'd never seen anyone do to Cruz. And he beat him to the punch every single time. And it was one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen. I think um, Cruz's foot had still have been giving him trouble in that fight for what it's worth. I don't like to make excuses, but that wasn't the Dominic Cruz that we know. No, it certainly wasn't the guy we, we had gotten used to seeing. Um, and uh, TJ pretty much in the first fight won all the striking exchanges. Um, he was quicker. And I mean, that's not a surprise in a sense because Dillashaw's footwork is, uh, you know, short of Demetrius Johnson, uh, you know, maybe the best in the sport right up there with and also Dominic Cruz, obviously. But um, this is really another another tough fight to pick. Um, I'm I went with Gar, um, excuse me, I went with Dillashaw um, essentially because the, one of the main reasons was I don't really know what really would have changed um, you know, since the first time these guys fought, they haven't fought other guys like we me- I mentioned. So it's not as if we have, you know, some more information, both fighters that we didn't have the last time they fought. Um, and, uh, you know, the other main reason I picked Dillashaw was um, I think he's a smarter fighter than Garvin is. Uh, Cody is willing to, um, you know, get hit in order to hit his opposition. And uh, there are a lot of guys that fight like that. Jeremy Stevens, who we talked about in the open, is another. 
He's a guy who's willing to absorb punishment in order to land shots of his own. And that's all well and good if you're facing lesser competition, guys who don't have world-class skills. But when you go up against some of the other top competitors in the world, that kind of you know fighting fire with fire with style isn't going to work. And um, Co- Garbrandt's going to have to – I think his, his footwork is the key to the fight. His, he was barely outclassed as far as speed and movement in the first fight – um, by Dillashaw, and that I'm not, you know, I'm not totally convinced that's something that I don't want to say is fixable, but I don't, not entirely convinced that's something that is totally, you know, improvable in uh, a relatively short period of time. Like you said, uh, we know Garbrandt can do it because we saw what he did to Cruz, but if Cruz was still banged up in that fight, you know, that was a different story. So um, I'm going to pick Dillashaw. I will say um, the one. Uh, if you're, you know, just a straight up, you know, Vegas better, uh, the odds to finish this fight are minus 300. And um, that seems like a pretty good, that seems like a pretty good uh, value bet to me if you're looking at it. But this is a close fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, I, I, I can because you got two guys who are so aggressive, you know, um, especially Garbrandt, like I just mentioned. So this is a good fight. Like you mentioned, this isn't the deepest card in the world. The first two fights, both title fights, obviously, are really good. And we talk about this a lot, too. Um, the UFC, a lot of times, when they have two title fights on a card, essentially punt the rest of the card. They've been doing a better job of that lately as far as stacking the rest of the card with, you know, high-end fights. They got back to that a little bit here. Uh, this is not the deepest card, but this is a high-level fight. Uh, between two guys who, you know, genuinely, genuinely don't like each other. You know, you see a lot of guys, you know, play up all the time to try and sell their fights. This is two guys who really don't like each other. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But this is a good fight. It's, you know, essentially an even fight, a fight I wouldn't be surprised if it goes either way. But um, based on what we saw in the first fight, I think you got to pick Dillashaw again. Yeah, I, I like the point you brought up about the odds of finish, John, because that's a pretty overwhelming number. And granted, that's just the opener, and it'll probably move around a little bit. If you got that five dimes account, though, you might want to consider the other way. Because you see a lot of times in these title fights, the first fight, the guys are out swinging. They're trying to figure it out. But in the second fight, sometimes they're a little bit more, I don't know if I want to say conservative, if that's the right word. But they've had a chance to study each other's unique tendencies and they're going to be a little bit more like cautious in, in a sense because they know if they move this way that this is coming and they, they try to be a little bit more calculated and if you take a round or two of that that'll definitely help your odds there but uh, as far as my pick goes I think I got to go Dillashaw on this one too I think we can both agree that Garbrandt probably has more raw power in his hands is that right John? I would think so. Uh, not to shortchange DJ's power, but Garbrandt's definitely a heavy hitter. He has the background in striking, yeah. but um, I think TJ's the smarter fighter. Yeah, no, and no, 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 the no. more the the more willing the more willing competitor as far as you know implementing and tailoring a game plan depending on who he's fighting in order to win. Exactly. So, so um, I'm with you there. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, so I give Garbrandt the edge in that department. So when when I look at paths to victory for both of these guys. To me, Garbrandt's path to victory is pretty much a stoppage. I, I don't see too many, uh, because of that fight IQ for Dillashaw, um, I don't see too many other ways that Garbrandt wins. I don't think Ar- Garbrandt's going to outpoint, outfootwork him, and, and, and get more takedowns over a five-round fight. I just don't see that happening. So for me, there's more paths to victory 
for Dillashaw than Garbrandt. So he's going to be my pick for this as well. But the other side of the coin here is we got to decide what we're going to do with this fight on DraftKings. It's a five-round fight, so you absolutely want to get a piece of it. Uh, as far as history goes, uh, Dillashaw was a slight underdog for their last fight. He was 7,900 on DraftKings, and he scored 100 points. So fantasy owners, of course, are going to have to pay more, 8,200 this time around. But if he's able to eclipse 100 points, uh, that's still 12, 12 times value or 12x value. That's kind of a, a general rule of thumb as I, as I start to uh, you know play more DFS and, and, and talk throughout the MMA community. You want to hit 12 times on as many guys as you can, and that would be you know the the 8.2 salary times 12 and uh, get that many points. So that's that's what you target for, and he could still get that if he gets the 100 points now. He could get the 100 points with a stoppage, I suppose, but he could also get the 100 points by collecting strikes over the course of five rounds, possibly getting some takedowns and some ground points too. So I think you want to get a piece of this. I think you want to be mostly exposed to Dillashaw, but if it were up to me, I would consider maybe 10 to 15% exposure uh, in Garbrandt just so your GPPs are covered in case Garbrandt gets that knockout. Yeah, you know what? I actually think both guys are... Um, you know, pretty good DraftKings plays because I expect a lot of strikes to be landed in this fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I expect them to go after each other. Um, and I, like you said, I agree in the sense that I think Cody's path to victory would be a stoppage. TJ's path to victory, you know, more likely a fight that goes longer. But um, I think this is a fight where both guys are going to be hit and both guys are going to land a, a lot. So if, if and with the salaries being, you know, essentially even, you know, if there's one fighter that, you know, you like to win, um, this is a good fight to get into, get them in your lineup, being that you have, you know, five rounds, uh, five rounds worth of damage, so to say, to get in there. Mm-hmm, exactly. And I mean, just kind of looking at, at the budget on DraftKings, you know, you get six fighters, your budget, uh, it, it's 50 grand. So your average per fighter is eighty three thirty three. Okay, so picking either of these guys is getting you under budget. And as you're going to find out throughout the rest of the show, John, I think we're in agreement. But there are not a whole lot of value plays on this one. There are a lot of lopsided odds, so it's very tough to make room in your lineup to get these some of these big favorites in. So I think you're going to see very high ownership on both of these fighters, and and very rightfully so in my opinion here. So uh, we'll get to that in a little bit for sure. But just to kind of sum it up, we're both going Dillashaw. It's a slight lean, um, but you definitely want to get a piece of this fight here. But we got another title fight we got to discuss, John. Uh, This is another case where we're going to debate the same thing. Is it more of the same? Is there any chance of a different outcome? I'm talking about the uh, reigning defending champion, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. He's essentially seemed unbeatable. He's going to grant Henry Cejudo a rematch because essentially there aren't any flyweight contenders left. Now we were going to, we had all these rumors of a Johnson Dillashaw super fight for the longest time. It never happened. Mighty Mouse has been understandably difficult with that. You know, he's dominated his division. Uh, You know, why outside of a payday, why risk that? uh, and, And why risk that winning streak? But the numbers are reflecting what seems to be another dominant Johnson performance. 9,400 for Johnson, 6,800 for Henry Cejudo. Mighty Mouse is a minus 470 betting favorite. That's actually a little bit smaller than we typically see Johnson at. You know, I've seen him around 1,000 in the past. Uh, that's definitely not uncommon. Cejudo plus 175. I don't see a bunch of underdog value there if you're if you're more of a better than a DraftKings player. Odds to finish on this one are minus 155, so pretty rare for a flyweight fight here. Um if you make 10 lineups, John, how many of them are featuring Mighty Mouse at a $9,400 price tag? You know, it's 
I don't know why, and because obviously, I th- uh, even with what Daniel Cormier um, has done lately, I think Mighty Mouse is still the best pound for pound fighter in the world, and yes. um, I say that just because of how how much better he is than you know the next group of guys in his division. Um, Thirteen uh, wins in a row, only flyweight champion the United UFC has ever known. Um, this is a rematch of a April 2016 fight in which uh, Johnson knocked out Cejudo in less than three minutes. Um, by all accounts, Cejudo um, was not ready for that fight. You know, he'd been he hadn't been he had not been a professional MMA fighter for a long period of time. Um, he had not gone up against high level competition. But like you said, the UFC is all but out of options as far as Johnson contenders. Um, so that's why they're doing this again. Um, you know, it's hard. It's always hard when you put a fighter with that heavy of a salary in her lineup. If you do that and the fighter has a bad day or something, you know, takes an awkward move, their knee explodes, um, your lineup is essentially shot because um, you spent such a, a hefty dollar amount on, on one guy. Um, you know, obviously I'm picking Johnson. Um, you know, I think we're both going to pick Johnson every flyweight I'd fight until he ever loses. If, uh, that's not unanimous across the staff. Yes. I'll post the staff picks on Thursday, but. Like I said, I, I don't see anyone going out on a limb on this one. But the thing I will say in Cejudo's favor is his striking now is considerably better than it was the first time they met. Um, Cejudo's had three fights since the first time they met. Um, he dropped a split decision to Joseph Benavidez in a fight that he might have deserved to win, and he was also deducted a point for low blows. And since then, he's knocked out Wilson Hayes and decision Sergio Pettis. So Cejudo, while we all know he's a former Olympic gold medalist in freestyle wrestling, um, his wrestling and his takedown game will always be there. It's his striking that is what needed to improve. And it's certainly better than it was the first time around. Now, that's not to say it's going to be enough to upend you know, the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world, but... Um, I think this is going to be a more, uh, certainly a more competitive fight than the first one, which let, you know, that's not tough. First one only lasted three minutes, but, um, I think Cejudo keeps, you know, uh, it's, this is tricky because can it's he survive is my question. I think he can. Now it's tough because he could keep this close and still lose 50-45 across the board, you know? So it can be it can, it can be both things at the same time. Um, it could be a clear-cut victory for Mighty Mouse, but Cejudo could still look good. And, you know, even seeing the final bell um, is better than, you know, most guys do with Johnson. So um, this is, uh, you know, they're out, of, they're out of options. And, you know, some of this is on Johnson. You know, I understand why Mighty Mouse isn't eager to leave a division in which, you know, he steamrolls everybody, you know, he's making pretty good money. I'm sure, you know, he's getting all that, the bonuses of being a champion or, you know, whatnot, but you know, eventually, you know, you kind of got to step out of your comfort zone and, you know, accept that super fight, whether it's with the Bantamweight champion, champion, whether it's TV, Jay Dillashaw, you know, or Garbrandt or, you know, whoever that is. But, you know, Johnson has really shown, you know, no inclination to do that. Um, which is why, despite being the best pound for pound fighter in the world, um, he's not particularly marketable. Um, you know, it's why we've seen, you know, a bunch of his fights, title fights, you know, on Fox as opposed to a pay-per-view. Um, and he's really, you know, shown no signs of 
you know, stepping out of his comfort zone. He looks comfortable with what's going on. Um, you know, he deserves to be an overwhelming favorite as he is, and he'll continue to be an overwhelming favorite until he loses. But um, I think Cejudo certainly does better than the first time. Now, you know, does that mean he lasts all five rounds? Maybe, maybe not. But Cejudo has talent, and the biggest discrepancy in the first fight was the striking speed, uh, you know, between the two men. And, you know, you're look, you're not going to outpoint Mighty Mouse over a five-round fight. It's just not going to happen. Not by Cejudo, not by anybody. Um, Johnson has a cardio advantage over every single person he fights. He can keep the same pace for 20 rounds, let alone five. So he's going to have that edge. But, you know, maybe Cejudo goes for broke early. But I think this is – I just got a, you know, a funny feeling this is going to be a pretty competitive fight. But, you know, I still think Johnson wins easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now because of the lopsided matchups on this card, a lot of big favorites that you want to get in your lineup, there's a situation – I, there's a strategy that some people use where you stack the fight and use both fighter in your DraftKings lineup. Obviously, that limits your overall ceiling, so you probably don't want to do it in GPPs. But if you're playing a head-to-head or, or a 50-50, the cash games, Cejudo's so cheap at 6800 that you could allow yourself Johnson plus two to three more of the 9,000-plus fighters and then maybe stick you know your, your Dillashaw Garbrand pick in that lineup. And that lineup should be able to get you, I mean, 450, 500 points, and that's usually enough to win your cash game. So there's situations in which you could use Cejudo. I mean, if you're doing, if you're trying to zig when everybody else is, else is zagging in a GPP and you want to throw Cejudo in at 6,800 and give yourself a lot of other options, to me, that's I call that a punt play. You know you're not going to win. I kind of did that with... Uh, I did that with Tesha Torres on the Fox card in a single entry. Yeah, I know Torres isn't going to win, but maybe she gets a few points and it just opens up my salary to get a bunch of these big favorites in. And I cash, but not by a lot, just kind of barely on the cash line. So it's a risky strategy, but it's something that some people do. It's it's uncommon, but I don't think that Cejudo, I mean, the, I, just, I just don't think he can win. And uh, so that's going to limit yourself in the strategy overall. Now, looking at Mighty Mouse, he scored 111 DraftKings points against Cejudo last time. Uh, last In his last fight against Ray Pork, he scored 169 DraftKings points. So there's your 12x and then some right there. Uh, of course, he either needs an early stoppage or a sustained dominant beating to hit that value. I think there's a good chance he can do it. So so Johnson's definitely anchoring a lot of my cash games, and I'm not really hesitating to use him in GPP either. So just kind of that DFS perspective if uh, you're wondering, you know, should I use him or should I not? Yeah, and, you know, the other thing is, like we meant, I mentioned earlier, this is not a deep card. Um, you know, we're going to get to fights uh, very shortly who are going to feature uh, men and women who your average – um, you know, casual fan has not heard of. Mm-hmm. So um, when that happens, uh, it's tough to pick either man or woman because in many of these cases, we have limited evidence and limited background on their abilities. Yeah. So when that's the case, we always advocate whoever you want to use, certainly use somebody who is at least well-known and has, you know, significant significant experience with the company mm-hmm. um, because otherwise, really, it's essentially just a bunch of dart throws. Yeah, um, it, it, so, exactly. Yeah, now, some people will, will say really going tough. that the other way where you, where you go against kind of the betting public and pick some of these guys that are going to have less ownership to possibly benefit yourself more in GPP. So I, I can see that going both ways. But, but John, right on cue, we got to talk about this women's strawweight matchup. I know you've been excited to talk about this one. I'm stoked, too. Uh, we got these two, two ladies, Poliana Viana and J.J. Aldrich. Viana with a $8,900 salary. Aldrich, 
7,300. Viana minus 275. You know, right in line with the DraftKings salary. Aldrich plus 235. Uh, the odds to finish are plus 115. Uh, you met if if any of you guys out there have read John's preview yet, he he pretty much relays this. But uh, I, I can't believe the UFC thinks it's okay to put this on a pay per view again. They've got the two title fights to kind of back it up here. But uh, this is a tough one on DraftKings, John. It's uh, a nearly impossible one for me. Um, and to your first point, yeah, I don't. You know, I guess in the UFC's defense, they you know they don't have a bunch of other options as far as this card goes. Um, but this is, yeah, this is not a great fight. It's um, two women with extreme, which I did, we just mentioned, with extremely lim- limited experience with the company. Um, Viana has had exactly one fight, which she won uh, in under four minutes via submission. We've got four um, combined Aldrich. fights between these two women with the company. Now, if you want to look on Fight Pass and maybe try to search on YouTube for some Invicta stuff, you can get an idea here. But again, not a whole lot. No, very, very little, you know, and, and, you know, Viana is the pick simply because she's the one who has the one world-class skill and that's her submission game. You know, she is, she's only 26 years old and, you know, she is a high level ground specialist. Six of her 10 career wins are via submission. So she, you know, she does have that one elite skill, which you're looking for, but look, this is, I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to say, you know, total guess, but you have two women who have you know relatively little experience we have very little evidence on both of them so uh this is why when you get to a card like this you know we advocate whether you want to use you know johnson or sohudo or dillashaw or garber and whoever you want to use whoever you think is the better value uh just use them because uh, you know if nothing else you have evidence you know to back up your claim on those fights these fights are really really hard Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Aldrich, too, you know, we scream fade this fight, and I'm with you, John. I don't think I'm going to get a piece of that. I mean, there might be some GPP appeal uh, for Viana. Uh, I just, because I think she can get, she has a decent chance of getting a stoppage. On the other hand, Aldrich, you know, just three fights with the UFC, all of them have gone to decision. Uh, she's been submitted once before. She just has eight professional fights. I'm looking at her sure dog page right now, so there's just not a whole lot. Uh, to come from this, you know, there's not even, I mean, there's one Invicta fight. She beat Eric Aldridge, beat Lynn, Lynn Alvarez, and then in her UFC debut, she lost to Juliana Lima and then, and then picked up, you know, decision wins over or Shamel Gian and Daniel Taylor. So, yeah, it's, it, there's not a whole lot to look forward here. Yeah, the gist so. of it is there's not a whole lot of names there most people have heard of. So, yes. um, Aldrich is, you know, from what I can tell, you know, competent all-around fighter, not going to wow you in any one area. Viana, on the other hand, is a world-class submission specialist, so that gives her the edge, but, you know, far from a certainty. So you maybe take Viana in a GPP, hope you get that submission or that first-round finish bonus, and and then take your money and run. Yeah, you know, or if you put together, you know, six, seven lineups, different things, you're trying to mix and match. But, um, yeah, it's tough. Exactly. The best DraftKings scorer Aldrich has ever had is 79 points. So that's yet another reason to fade the fight because the yeah, ceiling is a tough. bit limited. All right. But yep. uh, we got some fighters that we know. Uh, we can give you a little bit better breakdown on here. Featherweight battle here. Cubs, Swanson, Renato Moicano. Uh, Swanson is surprisingly to me a little bit a gigantic underdog. He's 7,100 on DraftKings. Moicano 9,100 on DraftKings. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little line movement, but when I looked last look, Moicano was minus 420. 
Swanson plus 325. Another weird odds to finish. Now, I'm going to go back and uh, check bestfightodds.com and try to get some updated odds to finish later in the week. So I feel like these are very, very preliminary. And, uh, you know, from what the general consensus I get from Twitter is that there's been a ton of line movement back and forth since these odds came out, mostly because it's a very tough, tough card to bet. And, and, and any big bet can swing that either way. But odds to finish plus 175. Remember, only a three-round fight. I think we have a similar thought on this fight john but how do you see this one breaking down well i'll start off by saying i i agree with you and i was very very surprised that both the line uh the vegas odds and the salaries um if you told me blind you know before any of this came out i'd probably have Mikano at i don't know maybe 8600 and swanson at 7600 maybe a little less some somewhere around there mm-hmm. um i would have had the vegas odds i would have had Mikano at i don't know Minus 200, minus 225, Swanson maybe plus you know 150 somewhere in there. I'm really well surprised. There. It could. I I'm really surprised this opened up uh, with Moicano as such a healthy favorite. Um, uh, for a couple reasons. Um, the first one being, um, say what you will about Cub Swanson, and you know he has struggled against high level opponents. Um, you know, when he's faced lesser fighters, Cub has done really, really well. But when he's been tasked with, you know, going up against studs, he's had a difficult time. He's lost four fights since January 2012, so you know, six and a half years. Uh, those four fights were Frank Yeager twice, Brian Ortega, and Max Holloway. So the best, you know, the division has to offer. On the other hand, Cub has some impressive wins over that time. Jeremy Stevens, Charles Oliveira, Dustin Poirier. So, you know, Cub has his fair share of wins. Now, Mikano, on the other hand, is a guy that we have, you know, relatively limited evidence on. Um, you know, certainly doesn't have, you know, the long-term exposure um, that that Swanson does. But Mikano, you know, five fights in the UFC, four and one, only lost was to, to Ortega. So, um He's obviously proven to be a high-level fighter, especially for a guy that entered the company, you know, with relatively little fanfare. You know, did, was not a big prospect, was not a guy, you know, that most people knew about, and you know, he's quietly gone about it, you know, his business, and you know, put together a nice little run. So, the question now becomes, you know, is Moicano in that, you know, the, that that elite level of guys that Swanson struggles with? Or, you know, is he on that next tier of guys um, that Cub usually does a nice job against? Um, The one thing I will say is Cub should have a striking advantage. Swanson's very aggressive, um, you know, kind of like Garbrandt in the sense that he's willing to get hit in order to hit his opponents. And Moicano, who is 5'11", which at that height, it's really, really hard to believe he can make 145 pounds. But um, 5'11", is a very good mat wrestler. Yeah, so he's got the three-inch height advantage, just the two-inch yes. reach advantage. If this fight gets to the ground, Moicano's going to have a significant advantage. And, um, you know, Cub prefers a striking battle. And we have, you know, a lot of – Cub has been with the UFC a long time. And his career takedown defense is not very good. It's just over 60%. So, um, 
if Moicano doesn't like what he sees on the feet, he could try and go for a takedown, at which point he'd have a significant advantage. So, um, and this, you know, we always talk about how the UFC rankings are a joke to give you an idea. Cubs currently ranked number five and Moicano is ranked number 10. So mm-hmm. you have your number 10 guy, you know, with a massive salary increase and, you know, a massive minus 420 favorite um, over the number five guy. So we'll yeah. throw that in there too. Yeah, that should definitely um, tell you know, enough. Oh. Yeah, you know, I, I certainly think uh, given the discrepancy in the salaries that Watson's the better value play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, get on board with that. Yeah, Cub, Cubs, Cubs good. You know, he's not, you know, he's not Frankie Edgar. You know, he's not Brian Ortega. He's not Max Holloway, you know, whoever, whatever, you know, the highest level featherweight you want to say. But, you know, he's right in that next tier. You know, he he's in that next group of guys, you know, that four to seven, four to eight range, you know, and Cubs been around a long time and he's a pro. So um, I think he's getting undervalued here. Um, you know, I think Moicano is the pick given his youth and, you know, his height, his size advantage. He's going to be the bigger guy when they get in there. But um, I'm behind Cub as a good value play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. So here's how I see this one. Uh, I mean, the minus 420 betting nods is overwhelming. I mean, the people that are putting money on it. It's tough to think that they're that wrong, although I do agree that it should be closer. But what it comes down to me is Swanson's takedown defense is only 60%, um, and now he hasn't been taken down in his recent fights very much at all. But he didn't even need to get taken down to be submitted by Brian Ortega, so that was something that stood out to me. Now, for that reason, I'm going to pick Moicano outright. I think there's a clear path to victory. But when it comes down to DraftKings, you hit this perfectly on your head in the in, in the column. Um, it's closer than what it indicates, and there are so many favorites on this card, John, that I'm just having a real tough time uh, getting into. So I've got, you know, I've got I built some early DraftKings lineups, and uh, you know, the first one that I threw in my single entry contest uh, is just kind of a single entry GPP. It does include Cub Swanson because when I use Cub Swanson. Um, and I and I throw in a couple more kind of odds value plays I'll get to later. I can if I use Cub Swanson, I can fit in Demetrius Johnson, Tiago Santos, who we'll talk about in a second, and Ricardo Ramos. You know, three pretty big betting favorites, and, and that seventy one hundred just opens things up a lot more for me. And it's just three hundred more than someone like uh, Cejudo, but the potential for points there is just leagues leagues better in my opinion. So though. I don't think that I would pick Swanson outright if I had a bet, you know, if I had to bet my house on it or something, for an example. I, I don't think I would bet uh, Swan, Swanson on that. Or I, I don't think I would pick Swanson. But as far as, like, his chance to win being better than his salary dictates, I use him on DraftKings, and I think that's not a bad strategy to go with. Yeah, I, I think he's, of all the guys on the card, um, given his experience and given uh, a surprisingly cheap salary, I think... Um, I think he's the best overall value play. Now, does that mean, you know, we think he has the best chance, you know, of winning as an underdog? You know, maybe not. But mm-hmm. in relative uh, relative to, you know, his talent level and his ability, um, that's that's a pretty low salary. And, you know, it's not as is not as if he's at uh, 7100, you know, going up against Max Holloway. Or he's yep. at 7100 going up against Frankie Edgar. You know, he's going up against a guy, you know, while talented and young, you know, is not at that level, at least yet, of those other guys. Yeah, it's, it's tough to explain to people, but in, in this DraftKings games, you've got to find your underdog somewhere. And I've been having a very, 
very tough time finding them. I'll talk about some odds value plays later on in the show, but uh, I've been having a tough time finding them. So for that reason, he's someone that I do I don't mind using him here. But let's get to the pay per view card kickoff here, John. We got a middleweight matchup between Thiago Santos and Kevin Holland. Santos is ninety two hundred on DraftKings. Holland is seven thousand. Santos a minus three fifty betting favorite. Holland plus two sixty. But the two things that stand out to me, John, are Santos minus three fifty with in a fight where the odds to finish are minus 380 and at 9200 he's not even the biggest favorite on the card here so uh for me at least i actually like using santos on DraftKings a lot just because he was on he was on fire before he got beat by david branch you know david branch is kind of solid all around you can even call that a little fluky because branch doesn't normally knock people out but santos was on a roll for then and I think Holland is a big step back in competition not to knock him too much I mean I'm sure he's a respectable fighter uh, but I think Santos this is the perfect matchup for him to get back on track and get back on track with an early stoppage so he's going to be anchoring a lot of my GPP lineups but do you see it the same way or do you think maybe his head's not there after getting knocked out like that no, I, I think this is uh, the one thing I'm worried about the only really the only thing I'm worried about here for Santos is like you said this is compared to the guys he's been fighting lately uh, this is a pretty significant step backwards. Now, not necessarily, you know, Holland's ability, but um, this is not a fight in which Santos has a whole heck of a lot to gain. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, this is essentially Holland's UFC debut. You know, he he appeared on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series um, in June, but you know, this is his first official fight with the company. And uh, but you're Dana right. Mustn't Santos like him very much. Like, did, did he make Dana mad to give him Tiago Santos off the bat? There are a lot worse. I mean, you know, he, he won v any one. Holland won his first fight, uh, his fight on the show via decision. And um, you know, the vast vast majority of guys who get contracted off the show are guys who earn impressive finishes. There are not many guys on that show who get you know a UFC contract based on a decision victory. Um, so, but you know, you're right. The one thing Santos has, you'll say what you will. He has elite world-class finishing ability. Uh, you know, the guy will score as many highlight real knockouts as anyone in the company. Um, before David, before the uh, David Branch that you just mentioned, he had four straight knockout wins. You know, some of them were as beautiful as you'll ever see. You know, so look, this is a good matchup for Santos. You know, he's fighting a guy we don't know about, um, which is always a risky thing. He's fighting a, a fight in which he has little to win and little to gain from a ranking standpoint. That's always a risky thing. But, you know, certainly Santos, you know, is a pretty good play given what we've seen from him fairly recently. Exactly. Johnson's the highest price fighter on the card at 9400 Then there's Marlon Vera at 9300 who might be a little bit bigger of a betting favorite than Santos. But I think Santos' chance of winning or of getting that stoppage and those big GPP points uh, for me that makes him a better play at 9,200 than Vera at 9,300. I mean, now Vera will probably be low owned because I, I think that's going to be the line of thinking for a lot of people on DraftKings. But for me, I very much prefer Santos in that matchup. I'm probably going to have heavy exposure to the tune of 80% or greater. I think it, it, it's going to be a big one for me. Yes, he, you know, he's a good pick. And, you know, the, the next fight we're going to talk about briefly between Pedro Munoz and Brett Johns is pretty much or at least one of, you know, the last fights on the card that, you know, has guys which, you know, we know a whole heck of a lot about as far as, mm-hmm. you know, a long time experience with the company and, you know, guys we have a good feel of. So yeah, give me Santos a breakdown. Of, a, yeah, give me. I was just going to yeah. say, let's lead right into it. Give me a breakdown of that one. Uh, Munoz is the betting favorite around two minus two seventy. 
Um, and then let's see, I got a quick check up the salaries here. Munoz, 8,800. John, 7,400. Uh, I mean, uh, who are we rolling with in this one? You know, this is actually a pretty good fight. Um, I, as far as after you take the first two title fights and, you know, the Moicano and Swanson fight, I, you know, I think this is pretty clearly the fourth best fight on the card, you know, by a significant amount. And two guys who are both good fighters, you know, Munoz and Johns, both guys who do their best work on the mat. Neither guy is is much is, is much of a striker as far as power and finishing ability, but um, Munoz is a real good submission specialist. You know, BJJ guy. Johns is a real good wrestler, um, but you know both guys are coming off setbacks. Munoz lost a split decision to John Dodson in March. Um, close fight. You know, could have gone either way. And to give you an idea, Munoz's talent. He's only lost twice in the UFC. Those two losses were John Dodson and Jimmy Rivera, and both were via split decision. So, you know, he, he's shown an ability. He can take better guys in the division the distance. Um, Brett Johns, on the other hand, another good young fighter, only 26 years old, native of Wales. He's coming off his first loss of his pro career, um, a unanimous decision loss to Aljamain Sterling in April in a fight in which he was totally dominated. Um, he Johns essentially no-showed that fight. And Sterling had his way with him, grinded him into submission. Um, Sterling scored three takedowns in that fight, beat up Johns from top position, and Johns just wasn't able to recover. Yeah. So, and Johns you know, opened a as a minus 150 betting favorite for that fight. He eventually swung back in the direction of Sterling's, but a lot of people expected Johns to win that one too. Yeah, I, I think Johns, much like Swanson earlier, I think Johns has a much better chance of winning than the Vegas odds and salaries on this fight would indicate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is, um, I would think, you know, the, the again, really, really hot. There's, so there are a few on this card. Odd salaries, odd odds. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, but odd, <laughs> that's odd a salaries, trade yeah. odds, yes. Um, so, you know, the, John's, I think, is a halfway decent value play. Um, you know, uh, I, th- I think this is a fight that's probably going to go the distance Two guys that don't have a ton of power in their hands, like I mentioned. So, um, give me Munoz, but you know, John's is a pretty decent value play and this should be an entertaining fight. Two mm-hmm. guys who like to fight at a quick pace, throw a lot of strikes, even though they don't have a ton of power, mm-hmm. a lot of movement, a lot of speed. So if you're looking for an underrated fight, you know, to try and catch before the main card, I did, I'd advocate this one. Yeah, definitely tune into the prelims. They're on FX for this one. I assume FS1 is going to have baseball going on. But uh, but but yeah, I'm, kinda, I'm with you there. So speaking of value plays, John, you know, maybe maybe Johns gets that rebound at 7,400. I, I think there's a decent chance of that. Uh, the first thing that I always look at for value pay, plays are odds value because like I mentioned earlier, there's been a lot of line movement since these cards opened. Uh, on the last card, Calvary, you know, plays that i define as odds value were uh were three and one the only one that um the only one that lost was jeremy stevens who closed as a very very slight betting favorite over jose aldo and then of course we we know what happened there but uh okay so looking ahead to this card i would say montel jackson fits that criteria against ricky simon jackson's only 7700 but he's a plus 105 underdog so that's very close to a pick and then the runner-up in that department for me, John, is uh, is Jose Torres. Uh, now, there's not a very high finishing probability in that in that uh, flyweight fight. And, and Torres, if you remember, he was, a, he was a pretty dominant Titan FC champ, then came in in his UFC debut and was getting beat pretty sound before his opponent essentially knocked himself out 
with a slam and Torres won. So it's not necessarily that I think crazy high of Torres, but he was a plus 120 underdog and he's only 7,800. If you're looking to somehow squeak some room into your lineup, I think those guys, um, they have just as good of a chance to win as their opponent, yet are six $700 cheaper than their opponent. So those are the guys I wanted to highlight. You mentioned Cubs, Swanson. Anybody else that you wanted to highlight, John? Yeah, you know, the one guy I, I think just looking at this that is probably the best player of all for me is uh, Shaman Marais, um, a guy mm-hmm. who is going up against the fighter in Matt Sales. Um, Sales is making his UFC debut, uh, 24 years old, another product um, of the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series. The difference is Sale earned his contract with, you know, with a quick knockout back in June. But, mm-hmm. you know, Marais is really good. Um, his second UFC fight, he was submitted by Zabit and Magomed Shapirov in his first fight. Uh, we all know how good Zabit is. He's going to fight Yair Rodriguez coming up. So, you know, there's no favorite. shame in – yeah, no shame in losing to him. And, um, you know, Marias has lost just two fights in his pro career. That loss to Zabit and a World Series fight where he lost to Marlon Marais, who is, you know, just about on the verge, you know, of earning a title shot in the UFC bantamweight division. So this is a guy who has a lot of experience – um, long-time World Series of fighting veteran, now the PFL. Um, guy with a good all-around game, some pop in his hands. He's going up against a guy with relatively limited experience in his first UFC fight. So I think Mar- I would pick Marais to win outright, and uh, I think he's especially good value play at 7,900. Yeah, dang, John. Either the odds moved a lot since I last checked it about an hour ago, or uh, I just completely whiffed on, on Marais as an odds value play because he's near the top. He is 7,900, so he's a little more expensive than the guys that he mentioned. But I, I, I did, I gave Jose Torres a mention. I'd be a lot more confident in Marais. And Marais is actually in my lineup. He's 7,900, Torres 7,800. So if you can squeak him in, I'll go ahead. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully our listeners benefit from this. But, but my A lineup involves Demetrius Johnson, Tiago Sanchez, Marais. I mentioned Montel Jackson. Again, that's pretty strictly odds value for me. Um, Cubs Swanson, and then I'm using um, Ramos, Ricardo Ramos at 8,600. He's a pretty big betting favorite here. You know, I always kind of start with the odds if I don't have super clear gut feelings, but hey, my gut feeling on the last one was Jeremy Stevens, and that one kind of blew. So uh, so that's what I'm rolling with here, John. Uh, I very much appreciate you joining us today for this uh, this UFC 227 breakdown here. Um, got a lot going on uh, coming up on Rotowire MMA. I kind of want to run through some uh, some housekeeping there. They're going to do the Fight IQ show on Friday at 8 Eastern. That's the normal time. Staff picks are going to be coming up on Thursday. We'll have your regular recaps. Subscribers can get into our Slack chat, which is uh, you guys have been winning money in there. It's definitely good to bounce some ideas off and bounce some strategy. Who knows? Our minds might even change a little bit before we get in here so a lot of content coming up to rotowire mma i did want to thank everybody for listening uh to the rotowire mma podcast again give john a follow on twitter at j-o-n-l-i-t-t-e-r-i-n-e you also get the extra bonus of um getting some hockey prospect news i see that list just got updated so definitely like to check that out if you're doing any fantasy hockey leagues you can follow me on twitter at jakeski 52 uh, John and I will be back to, for, uh, for you guys to preview UFC 228 on September 8 in Dallas. There's another uh, card with two title fights. We've got Woodley versus Till for the welterweight belt and Valentina Shevchenko against Nico Montano for the women's flyweight belt. Finally, that fight took a really long time to materialize. Oh, 
And last but not least, uh, ladies, you can stop sending the letters to the office uh, because uh, John Litterine is now engaged. I just want to say congratulations, John, and uh, wish you the best with that. I know you got a, some tough wedding planning ahead, but uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it'll all be worth yes. it on that day. Thank you very much. Uh, for some reason, I doubt the letters were flowing in, but uh, <laughs> I, I much pre- I much appreciate it, and uh, you know. As everybody else has to look forward, like you said, 228 is a good card. Mm-hmm. In addition to those two title fights, Jessica Andrade, Kyrie Nikolkiewicz, Zabid, and the Yair Rodriguez cards on that mm-hmm. fight. Jimmy Rivera, John Dodson's on that card. Uh, Cody, uh, Aljamain Sterling, and Cody Stammen. That that's a quite a that's a good card. So yeah, we, we, uh, it doesn't know, it gets doesn't, a little better next time. It out. doesn't punt the rest of the card because of the two title fights. It actually gets no. it somewhere from front no. to bottom here. So definitely, we're excited to be back with you guys. And uh, and checking out and breaking it all down, all these fights, John. As always, it's been a pleasure here. Uh, good luck to you on DraftKings. Good luck to everybody on DraftKings. Let's win some money this week. Thank you very much. Talk to you guys soon.